Glad I'm here. It is, it is appropriate to give uh, God praise at all times. It is appropriate, but it, in some moments it's hard to. Um, I wrestled back and forth. I got a, I got a text from, um, from one of our security members <coughs> saying that a helicopter went down in my neighborhood. And then um, I got a, a text maybe about 15 minutes later that um, confirmed that Kobe Bryant was on that helicopter and went down. And everybody on board didn't make it. I wrestled. Do I say something? Do I wait to the end? That's a doozy. That's a doozy. So we're going to pray. I don't believe Vanessa was on board. <clears throat> so let's just pray. Grab the hand of the person who's next to you. Just take a minute in your own way and get what you need. If you need to cry, you can cry. Get what you need. Just been pray for the family. Just take a minute in your own way. This is the house of prayer. Father, we come to you right now grateful in this moment that we have someone higher than us to call on, to lean on. Our hearts are in trouble. Some of us knew him, some of us did not. But because of his proximity to this city, his proximity to our industry, to his proximity because of his status and profile, we all had a little piece of them. And we come to you first, God, praying for his family. We pray for Vanessa and his children, his parents, all those who were very close to him. We pray that you, the God of all comfort, who gives peace that passes all understanding, would meet them in this moment of grief. Transitions are the hardest moments in the human experience. No way around it. But God, we know that you can hold them 
while they weep, that you can hold them while they grieve, that you can hold them while they experience deep anguish. We pray that you would keep them. We pray for our city. We pray for our industry. We pray for the NBA. We pray for our world. And God, we're determined in the midst of our frustration, in the midst of our brokenness, in the midst of our confusion, in the midst of our anger, in the midst of our shock, we are determined to get through it. And we are determined to walk through it and to come out on the other side, not with all the answers, but with an unwavering trust that you're still God, even in this moment. And so, God, again, we hold their family close. Your word says, weep with those who weep. And we're doing just that. We pray for the other several people, four people who were on that helicopter as well, and their families. Every life is meaningful and precious. The pilot, all who were there, support people, friends, assistant, whomever. We need you right now, God. There are moments where we need you, need you. Now is one of those moments. And I pray for anyone here who's grieving the recent loss of the sudden loss. We thank you for your promise that says this ain't it. That nothing can separate us from your love. Not death, not tribulation, nothing, nothing will separate us from your love. So we thank you that even in this moment of shock, that Kobe is not separated from your love. Those who are present are not separated from your love. We trust you. All souls belong to you. All of humanity belongs to you. Everything that has breath belongs to you. And so God, help us to walk out our life. Help us to walk out our moments in such a way that when you call us, It'll be well. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If I might be vulnerable and transparent, I'm a little, uh, little contemplative about <clears throat> how we move today. Um, as it relates to the series, <clears throat> the good news is I preached it at the 9 o'clock service, which means that that truth and that word exists. I, uh, I just want to make sure I, I minister to you and that I give you what you need in this moment. So I can move on in the series. I'm going to pray and kind of feel you out a little bit, or I could talk about some of the deeper implications of, of transition. And uh, 
and we can pray, worship, and, and, uh, and I got to make a decision. I guess that's what leaders have to do. They have to make decisions. Why don't you sit down? Let me talk to you. Let me talk to you. Um, one of the the truths <clears throat> that one of the hard realities that, that that guide my life as it relates to people, whether they be children, whether they be spouses, parents, friends, um, one of the things that, that I've really come to embrace and to recognize is that, that they all belong to God. And, and although we <clears throat> have a sense of ownership and possession over people, whether they're our children or our parents or animals or whatever, uh, friends, the reality of it is we never really possess them. Uh, they, they always belong to God. It, it's, it's true. Um, and the reason why that is important, uh, there are a number of reasons why it's important. One of the things is it, 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 it helps us to, to maximize our time with people because we don't know, we don't, it's not guaranteed. We, we're shocked at transition but there's never been a person that didn't transition. And you, you, you follow what I'm saying? And sometimes what makes it complicated and difficult for us is we don't, we, we, we say too soon, whether it's a, a child that, that passes away of cancer, which is, you know, I, I've, you know I've, I've had a friend that was young that was a child that passed away. Um, what perplexed us is the timing. And we're perplexed by the timing as if we are in control of the timing. And, and, and so uh, it's challenging, but we have to understand that, that all spirits and all souls belong to God. They started with God, and they will ultimately go back to God. And the, the timing of it has nothing to do with us. And so what we, what we do is we maximize the moments, and we treat people well. And we, we spend time with them, we, and we make people priority. We don't just walk. I don't care if it's, it's the, the, the lowest person on the totem, totem pole on a set or in a studio or whatever. Everybody matters. And so we make it a point to sow the good that we are into people because we don't know when we're not going to have that, that opportunity. Um, but I, what, what helps me is that I, I, I believe that that everybody belongs to God. Uh, my, my kids, I love my kids. We have six amazing, beautiful kids, and my prayer is that, is that they grow up and they, and they, you know, experience life and they meet God and they, you know, they get married and they have family and they, you know, work hard and make a lot of money and, and travel the world and all those sort of things, and I desire that for them, and, and I pray that that is, uh, you know, that my plan for them will be realized, but I'm also in the recesses of my heart recognize that I'm not in control of that. Uh, only God is. And, and that can be frustrating, but it's a reality, and I think it's a reality that we have to, to embrace. 
and to embody. And as it relates to, to death, um, here is the, the, the truth. And when, you, when you, anyone's ever struggling with grief, this one thing I, I try to remind them of, and, and you can get into the theological implications if you want to, whether or not the person is saved or not saved, all that kind of stuff. I, I'm not, that's between them and the Lord, so I don't even get into that. But what I will say is that the scripture says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, right? And that's a very interesting passage of scripture because we, we don't really see the, the multi-layered truth in that. It basically suggests that when a person transitions, they are both absent and present at the same time. They're both absent and present, right? We, we, we focus on the absent part, to be absent from the body. But we minimize the fact that it says to be present with the Lord. Those two realities of positioning and, and you know, for lack of better words, geography are balanced. It is not to be absent from the body is to be present. Those, those they have equal justice. They're, they're equally justified. And what we have to do is we have to, when a person that we love transitions what we have to do is we have to manage those two realities. We have to manage the fact that they are absent. That means that we can't touch them no more. That means that, that, that all that we have left from that individual is the memories that we experience with that individual. Uh, we will never see Kobe play basketball again unless we watch. Well, he retired, but we'll, you know, so we were already kind of watching the, you know, the highlights or what have you, but... but in the context of someone that you may have lost recently, you may never get that phone call again. When I lost my dad, let me tell you something. My dad used to, you don't mind me doing this? It's okay? Uh, I just want to just, just let me, you can go to the podcast. I'll have all that for you there. You, you will get the message. Trust me. I can run it now if you want. But, but like my dad, my dad died in, in uh, 2014. And <laughs> my dad was alive. My dad talked a lot. Talked a lot. You wonder where I got it from, huh? He, he, he talked a whole lot. <laughs> and, uh, and so he used to call, and I wouldn't take his call unless I had like an hour to spend on the phone. I'd text him, say, Dad, I'm busy. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I'll call you when I have like an hour to spare for him to talk. And I just, I mean, it was not an exchange. It was like Dad, like, you know, and he was just, just pouring into me. And I know why he was doing it now. But since he passed away, what I would give for one of those phone calls I mean, just give me three hours. It's all good. I just want to hear, you know, your voice. And I had to, uh, when he passed away, I had to kind of shift. And I had to recognize that he is, in fact, absent in the way that I used to experience him. I can't, you know, that call, you know, won't come anymore. The other day, I, I, I go back. I still have his text messages from, like, five years old or whatever, six years old now, almost. And, and I still have his text messages. And I'll, and I'll, I'll go and, and I'll experience his personality in the text messages that he sent. But I have to deal with the fact that I can't access him the way that I used to access him. And I, had my, I lost a cousin who was like a brother to me in 2003. And it's the same thing, great grandmas, family members. This is going to help somebody. I recognize that I can't access you the way I used to access you because in that place you are absent. But just as surely as you are absent in that place, you are present in this place. 
And so the question is, where is that place, right? It says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So there was a shift. You weren't here first. You were there. So that's all I knew. That's the way I experienced you. I experienced you there. You're not there, but you're still present. So you're absent here. Now you're present there. You used to be absent there and present here. So there was just a shift. So the way that I access you has changed because your geography has shifted. And so where, where, where is that? So, so it says to be absent from the body, can't touch you anymore, is to be present with the Lord. Okay, so I used to think that that was like, okay, well, you know, he's up in heaven. He's, a, you know, I won't get to experience him until I see the Lord. But the Lord said, no, son, you missed it. Pay attention to what, what was said. He said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, which means that my father, your loved one, is present in the Lord's presence. And that doesn't mean much to you if you are not a present seeker. If you are not one that values the presence of God, that, that pursues the presence of God, that, that experiences the presence of God, that is, that you understand what I'm saying? That, that you, you, you're a seeker of the presence of God. So the presence of God is no longer a strange place. Yeah, catch what I'm saying. The presence of God is, is no longer. For those who, 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 who are like David, the one thing that I desire, that will I seek after, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord. In other words, the one thing that I seek after is to hang out in the presence of God. Because the temple was not built yet. His son built the temple. David did not build the temple. So when he was talking about the one thing that I desire is your house, he was ultimately talking about the presence of God. That's why David said, David said, if I desire the presence of God, I will lack nothing. Because everything that I need is in the presence of God. My Savior is in the presence of God. My provision is in the presence of God. Everything that I've lost, every loved one that I lost is in the presence of God. So yes, it's absent here. But I can experience everything that I lost when I'm in the presence. Which means that, you know, there was, a, there was an Australian pastor that I met several years ago, and he had lost a son. And, uh, and his son <clears throat> was young. He was younger. Well, younger than him. Obviously, he was a son. I guess that was pretty self-explanatory there. Pardon me. But uh, he, lost, he lost his son. And he was frustrated. And he was heartbroken. And, you know, he's a pastor, so he's like, look, I'm, I'm the right, I'm righteous. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm serving you. I'm doing your will. You know, how could you allow my son to pass away? And he could not be comforted. He could not be comforted, right? And he went to the Lord because he didn't have anywhere else to go. He went to the Lord and he said, God, my son passed away. Help me. Help me with this. And you know what God had the audacity to say? Worship me. Uh, wait, hello, you, sir, allowed my son to die. I, we have beef, and I'm trying to get over it, and, and you narcissistic. <laughs> Come on, let's, can we have a human moment here for a second? All you're going to tell, the, 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 the only thing you have to say to me is to worship you. I'm hurting, I'm broken, I'm grieving. I'm coming to you because I miss my son, and I'm trying to get you are the God of all wisdom. Surely you have some counseling for me. You have some revelation for me. You've got something for you. Surely you've got that, and the only thing you're going to say to me is worship me. Pastor went away angry. 
I went away upset. And he could not be comforted. And so he goes back to the Lord again and says, okay, God, stop playing. I'm, I'm, I'm hurting. I, I can't preach. I'm on sabbatical. I can't, I, can't, I can't function. I can't flow. I'm grieving. Me and my wife, we're, we have, we're having a breakdown in communication. I need you for real, God. Stop playing. Like, for real, tell me what to do practically, please, practically, okay? Don't over-spiritualize it. Practically, how can I get through this? And God says, worship me. And he goes away from the Lord frustrated all the more. And now he is, his life is just shut down. He can do nothing. He is grieving so heavily that he can hardly get up out of the bed. And he has nowhere to go. He doesn't know where, any place to go. This is the God that he went, through for, to, went to for wisdom throughout the years. He goes to God the third time and says, God, please, all right, I'm desperate. Whatever you say, whatever you say, I'll do. Just, just tell me what to do. And God says, worship me. And he mustered up from somewhere the strength, the humility, the surrender to actually go and open himself up and worship God, which he hadn't done for weeks. And what he said to me was the only time that he felt comforted about the death of his son is when he worshiped. Now, you got to think about what worship is. Worship is not about singing, although singing can be a part of our corporate expression of worship, and it can be a part of your personal worship, but worship is not about singing. Worship, literally and spiritually, is one's opening, it's an opening of oneself up to the presence of God. So I, I worship because, because I, am, I have brokenness, I'm human, I have brokenness, whether it comes through the loss of a loved one, whether it comes through a heartbreak, whether it comes through some, some tragic series of events that happened in my life, brokenness is a reality. It just is what it is, what it is, a misunderstanding, whatever. We have brokenness, right? And God is holy. And holy has to do with wholeness. Holy is not God pushing you away. It's not, I am holy, so therefore clean yourself before you come and touch me. That's not God. Holy, to be holy, is to be spiritually whole. So God is spiritually whole in every way, and the atmosphere, right? Psalm 96 says, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. So the atmosphere of God is holiness or wholeness. So worship is when I extend my brokenness to a whole God, to his wholeness, and, and as the atmosphere of wholeness begins to invade the atmosphere of my brokenness, I get healed. Are you tracking with me? And so, so not only because of that reason, but also since the son was in the presence of God, he felt near the son because in wholeness, there is no context of loss. There is no concept of lack. None of that is there. Everything is there. In his presence, there is fullness of joy. In the presence of God, there is no knowledge of lack. 
There is no knowledge of defeat. There is no knowledge of deficit. And that's why we ought to get lost in the presence of God via worship as often as we can that we might step into a reality where everything is so. There is no lack. All the promises are there. The peace is there. And our abundance is there. And beyond that, our loved ones are there. To be absent from the body, that's what we grieve over. But, so I have to shift. Now, it's not easy, right? Because you're dealing with an absence, right? It's a loss. It's real. But there's also a gain. There's also a gain. But I have to become somebody to access what I lost. Are you tracking with me? And that's in life. So whoever you may grieve over, whoever you may grieve over, understand that truth. Well, how do you know if they say they're not pastor? That's not for you to know anyway. That's what's wrong with Christians nowadays anyway. They're always trying to d- decide who's saved and who's not saved. That's not your job. You don't know. Because it's a personal encounter and a personal relationship and and God I I, I don't know I think (laughs) some of y'all but I don't know (laughs) I'm kidding (laughs) you understand what I'm saying so what I do is I just preach the word I preach the truth and I let God do his thing and I just think the highest thought I just believe I just believe that the goodness of God will meet you and pursue you